Hello and welcome to the Fellow Cast. You are listening to another Bring Your Own Bible episode. And in this episode, Pastor Garth will be sharing on Genesis again. We are continuing in the book of Genesis. We are taking small steps, but this is really, really a great session. Some good questions and some really great answers to those questions. So Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3, it's talking about where God creates man and then also touching on the fall. So really um, get yourselves ready to to receive some wisdom from Pastor Garth. Yes, Valdu. So today we're into the Garden of Eden. We're moving on with a story and we're going to speak about the Garden of Eden and then about the fall. So it's Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3. But let's then start off where we ended off last week, speaking about we're made in the image of God. Um, and the responsibility that we have on the face of the earth. Now, we've said already that right from the beginning of the story, there's these incredible lines that draws all the way through the Bible. And I want to pick up on one of those when we get into chapter 2 now, when God says um, in more detail how he created man and woman. In the first chapter, it's just they're made in the image of God. It doesn't actually describe uh, in which way he made them. In the second chapter, it's important, though, to note that we made different from the animals. The process or the way that God did it was different. Uh, In the first chapter, it speaks about he just said, um, let there be, and they were there. But here it's a much more intimate moment where it actually says, and God took from the dust of the earth and he formed Adam out of it. And then even a step further, it says, um, and he breathed into him the breath of life. Now, jump again to where we were previously at the beginning of our previous session john chapter one when it says in the beginning was the word the word was with god um, and the word was god through him all things were made Um, and then it says in him was life and that life was the light of man so for the rest of the gospel it's going to say that through the spirit of god in us we come alive Um, Think about some passages uh, like uh, in Ephesians 2, we made alive in Christ. In Romans 5, it makes the same statement, all are dead in their trespasses, but thank God through Jesus Christ we made alive. So because our sin is taken away, now suddenly that same breath of life that was breathed into Adam can now be breathed into us again. So without that breath of life in us, we're the walking dead. Yeah. (laughs) it's beautiful how right from the start that theme runs through the bible yeah um now on to verse eight and nine god planted a garden in the east god the first great gardener um and it actually says the way that it describes it's a thoughtful process it's not just like the making of all the plants in the earth this Mm. is now a special place that he made in fact i love the fact that it says um and he he took from every uh seed bearing and fruit bearing plant and so it's good for food but also it says and it's pleasant to look at sure isn't that beautiful eh? yeah it's more (laughs) than just a, a functional thing yes he, he created also a beautiful yeah. beautiful place sure, and yeah. it's abundant in food yeah um so it's not just a place to live it's yeah. a place to enjoy the same way that we still make gardens eh? yeah. uh, so we, because we made in his image yeah we're course. not just after the fruit yeah <laughs> we like to see uh, it has to look nice yes yeah and the way that it's set out so i really i, I see the grass running and beddings you know yeah. what's a bedding in, in ingles 
<laughs> a bedding. <laughs> yeah, and little bridges over rivers. Yeah. I don't know. It's creative. But it is it is true because I, I think even if I drive past uh, a landscape where the grass is really green, deep down you have a real appreciation for it. Yes. You might not always say it, or but you look at it and you go, wow, that lawn looks really good. Yeah. Because uh, it and it does something to you. It do, it's it, it's almost like it makes you feel better. Yes. I'm a yeah. bit spiritual about it. Yeah, it's interesting. We've got a guy in our church that many of you will know, um, uh, Francois. Uh, him and Karen, when he started off his landscaping business, they chose the name Quietscapes. Yeah. Uh, his his uh, logo at the beginning was a guy just bending down, worshipping. And the whole idea was, uh, his thrust in his heart was he wanted to create um, spaces where people can experience the presence of God. It's yeah. still his heart. Um, so I think gardens have that way of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So think about God making a place for, the two, for them to meet with him. Then in that garden, fascinating, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is standing in the middle of it, these two trees. And again, it's a line that's going to hit all the way to the back end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. Mm. This tree of life is still standing in the garden. Uh, we're going to get just now to the instructions of that and to the fall. So let's speak about that just now. But that's in the garden as well. Question to you, Valdo, again. Is this a literal garden? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Eh? Because now he's going to speak about the location. And remember who's speaking here. It's Moses speaking to the Israelites. Mm. So they're in the desert, just on their way out of Egypt. And he's saying God planted a garden in the east yeah and then he actually gives some borders to it and some of that is a bit pro problematic for us all right because there's four rivers it says out of the garden um comes a river and it's interesting eh? so it sounds like there's a it fountain starts there, yeah. it's a fountain in the garden or something which is the same in revelation it's the same picture again but this river splits up into four headwaters mm. so the fountain makes a river and then it splits up and this then borders parts of the garden um, so some of those rivers are easy for us to find um, but the others uh, there's at least one of them that we just say we don't have a clue where mm. on earth is this thing um, but I'll speak about where just now an interesting point um, because Answers in Genesis a ministry in America they speak a lot about um, uh, these chapters these first chapters in the Bible they make a good point and they say, listen, um, Moses speaks about this, but before Moses, there was the flood and before that was Eden. Mm. So the face of the earth would have changed a lot, but yet Moses speaks about it as real rivers that he thinks his audience should understand where they are. Sure. So while we may struggle to track the place, um, his audience knew. Yeah. He described it to them. Uh, listen to it. It's from verse 10. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. Verse 11. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. Now, Havilah is just above the, the Persian Gulf. The place is there. So, um, the Pishon River, well, we know about the Euphrates and the Tigris River mm. there. Um, so whether the names changed or anything like that, but the land of Havilah is still there. Okay. So it sets us around about there, Mesopotamia. And then he actually describes to them, he says, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. Moses knows about this. 
and he expects the people he's speaking about. Yeah. It'll prompt their memory and say, oh, over there. And then he says, verse 13, the name of the second river is the Gion. It winds through the entire land of Cush. So here we've got our first problem. We'll get back to that problem just now, but the next one is obvious. The name of the third river is the Tigris. Uh, it runs along the east side of Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, the Tigris and the Euphrates are still there to yield day, yeah. round about the land of Iraq and yes. Iran. But what about this other one, Gion yeah. and Cush? The only Cush that we know that the rest of the Bible also speaks about is um, actually um, just under Egypt is Ethiopia. Okay. That used to be called Cush. And the only river that runs through that is the Nile River. Now, either this river is a god size, ah, oh, the garden is a god sized garden, mm. <laughs> which means it lands all the way from the Nile River to the Euphrates and the Tigris, yeah. with the Havilas River somewhere there in between the Pishon. Um, or we must simply say, we just don't know where. Yeah. yeah. If, if that territory <laughs> is the god sized garden, then it is actually. The, the landscape for the rest of the Old Testament story. Yeah. Um, it's and that whole region. Because yes. it, it's part of uh, Asia and it's part of Africa then. Yes. So it's crossing yeah. over. In fact, sort of three continents yeah. coming together over wow. there, Europe, Asia, Africa. That's right, yeah. Um, and that's where the entire Old Testament story plays off. And if God planted a garden there in the middle of those things then it's uh, probably where Israel is yeah. <laughs> Jerusalem where the Jordan runs which is another river um, we don't know yeah. we just don't know and there's been a lot of scholars that um, speculated about it and most of them will land it somewhere in Mesopotamia in that valley of Shur between the Tigris and the Euphrates because there's plenty of rivers there that could have made up the story mm. um, but at least we know Moses knows what he's speaking about he knows where it is, mm. and he's describing to his audience. So it's very literal. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only other mention of Eden later, the Garden of Eden, is actually when um, Lot, later in our story, is standing on the mountain with Abraham, and they've got this problem to fix because there's not enough space for all their shepherds. And um, then Abraham says to Lot, okay, you choose which way you're going to go, and I'll go the other way. And then Lot looks down, to the Jordan Rift Valley, where the Jordan River used to run through before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when he looks at it, it says, and Lot looked at it, and it looked to him like the Garden of Eden. But that Eden is then destroyed in Lot's life when Sodom and Gomorrah is, is um, destroyed. Anyway, so let's move on from there then. Um, verse 17, God then gives instructions with regards to the tree. He says to them, if you're going to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will surely die. All right. Um, now, they did eat from the tree. They didn't physically die on the spot. But then later in the curse, it says, um, and from dust you are, to dust you will return. Mm. So they did physically die eventually. Which leaves us with a question, if we made in the image of God, were we made to live eternally in the flesh on earth? Or was that always the intention that we will live a life here and then in time we will die and get a new body? Hmm. I would argue for the first that 
a literal consequence of eating from the tree is the dying of this body, which then needs a resurrected body, mm. which Jesus Christ gives us. Mm. Mm. Uh, let me just jump in here for a moment because I know people who will be listening will have this question and we've yep. answered it before, but maybe it's a good space to, to drop it in here. It's just the, the whole, uh, you know, people always ask, but why did God put these trees in the garden yep. then? Which I do think is, is a legitimate question. It is. And it's a difficult one to answer, but maybe you can give us some insight. Yeah. Um, I'll give you my thinking. Please, please <laughs> do. You, you mull it over yourself because it's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so in order for us to worship and love God, we need choices. Yeah. Um, if there's not choices, then I'm like a robot. I'm just made to love it's my function it's not so much a heart's decision yeah. so choices is inevitable in a living relationship with god um, in order for there to be love so um but then also just like any parent he gives boundaries and in those boundaries are choices there's a bigger part to it though because that's a it's a well-known answer yeah. to the question um eventually when satan comes um in the next chapter and he comes and tempts them he said did god say that you're not allowed to eat from this tea or he actually says did god say that you're not allowed to eat from any of the trees which is a lie yeah um but he's a schemer and he comes into the conversation that way eve responds and says no no we're allowed to eat from all the trees but just not this one the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then he says well god knows if you're going to eat from it you're going to be like him knowing good and evil mm. and um up until that point what did they know only good they only knew good they knew half the picture and then they chose to disobey distrust god think maybe god's holding the better from us and they eat from it and um then it's interesting in god's reply it says before he put them out the garden he says now man have become like us knowing good and evil what's the us it's plural mm. but it's also maybe the angels because satan knows evil yeah um he's become like us so something of what the devil said was actually true if you're going to eat from it you're going to be like god knowing good and evil mm. but god wanted to keep the evil from us with all the hurt that comes from it yeah um and if you think the way that we raise our kids man um you want to keep evil from them but you do recognize that along the road they're going to get to know it, mm. and it's going to hurt. It's going to sting. Um, but then I want to ask the question. If we never ate from that tree, what would we know about God? What we w would we worship God for? Mm. Sure, if you think what comes after, yeah. Yes, we, we would worship him as the great creator. We would say, you are almighty God. Uh, you are all-knowing because look at everything that you've made. Yeah. But we would never worship him as savior. We would never worship him as redeemer, deliverer, my rescuer, my healer. There's no illness, yeah. right? Um, the, the one that gives me life, uh, all of those things. We would just never worship him for that because we would not know it. Yeah. So what am I saying through all of this? <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have the fullness of every answer, but I mean... This I know, yeah. that God's promise in Scripture is... I will turn all things for good. Yeah. And even this, our disobedience and our distrust of him in that garden at that moment, even that God turned for good. 
we worship him far greater and far deeper with far greater thankfulness i'm sure because of what we've been shown grace in yeah hey? yeah those who've been forgiven much will love much yes so our love for him in the process i believe is actually increased because we received so much more than just life and a beautiful earth to yeah. live from yeah. we recognize that we are forgiven we've been shown mercy and grace uh, was it always god's intent i believe no because we god's bringing us back to the story at the start yeah. but think about it we we would never call jesus the lion and the lamb he, he would never be that for us mm. uh, he would be the one through whom all things were made but the story in john would not continue it would stop there yeah <laughs> he would not be the one that would become flesh rejected by his own and then he dies for those who he created and who rejected him yeah that love we would never know yeah sure and i and i guess if we didn't know it wouldn't it wouldn't really matter but <laughs> yes. looking from this side we can also in many ways understand um, and see god's hand in the whole thing and as you said it really does reveal the character of god yeah which would have been there in any way yeah but like you said these things don't happen then we don't get to experience him in that way necessarily yeah but who <laughs> <Yes>. knows <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah listen i just want to um sorry for the de de detracting no from no no it's absolutely part of the story yes it really is and we're going to get into the fall just now i just want to don't miss out on two things in chapter sure. two um because of the whole science story looking at creation unfortunately we often look at adam and eve as uh, cavemen and cave women yeah isn't it yeah uh, they're pretty dumb and they need to advance to be as smart as us uh, consider the fact though that god made them and he gave this incredible charge of taking ruling over the earth yeah. and then um in a short space of time really short uh, he gets to name the animals yeah. now I <laughs> our zoologists and stuff try to remember the names and we've got books <laughs> with all of that stuff in and he went and named them yeah hey all of these incredible species he's he's not a caveman no no from the start he's got a brilliant vocabulary and the ability to grow vocabulary mm. and actually to to hold all of that yeah yeah just a different picture on who the guys is and then verse 21 just so beautiful when it says and he named all these animals and he saw that there's no one that's his equal um, but for adam no suitable helper was found so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and then this strange story about the lord took a rib out of him and out of the rib made eve and then he gives her this name which in the hebrew sounds like man yeah all right it's so close really related that he chose a name to sell this is now bone of my bone flesh of my flesh so from the beginning the two of them were meant to be one mm. they were made from one and they're supposed to and that is the picture that ephesians 5 takes us back yeah. to say that's marriage yeah yeah i'm actually very fascinated with how the things that we've discussed in the last couple of weeks because we've been doing ephesians in our bible study uh, okay and how it's just connected to ephesians in many ways a lot, it's a really lot. interesting to me yeah and yeah. encouraging very because it's different completely <laughs> different sides of history yeah and then ephesians takes it a step further because he say i'm not actually speaking about marriage yes. i'm speaking about the bride yeah. and christ yeah uh, oh christ and the bride um so it 
yeah, man, our relationship with Jesus is described in this moment. Already. And that's what it's going to be. Yeah. All right. Let's take the fall, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Yeah, we started speaking about it. Um, uh, in verse 9, it just says, But the serpent was more cunning than any of the other creatures. Um, Revelation's going to pick up on that. Oh, sorry, um, Revelation's 12 verse 9 is going to pick up on this and then going to say, the dragon, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. So there for the first time in scripture actually is this on-the-spot revelation of who was the serpent. Now I'm sure Israel knew it. Uh, the man experienced all throughout, but there he's called out. He says he's the devil, he's the enemy, Satan. Um, now again, <laughs> is it a physical serpent? So I always ask that question because we tend to want to read it in parables, you know, or allegory. Uh, but I truly believe that the devil came in the form of a serpent, mm. you know, and then beguiled Eve. Yeah. Where was Adam at that moment? When you read just on, it sounds like he was standing right there. It really doesn't sound like uh, he was far off. Um, and then when both of them eat from it, um, suddenly there comes this conviction. They realize they're naked. Mm. Now, it's a strange connotation for us, but when the curse comes, you see that there's a physical uh, repercussions of sin the woman's going to suffer in childbearing. The man's going to have to... Uh, Labor. Yeah, have a hard time getting food out of the ground. Yeah. His relationship changes over there. The snake has a physical change. He's going to crawl on his belly and mm. eat the dust of the ground. And then there's also a relational consequence. Suddenly there's conflict between Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam says to God, no, it's this woman you gave me. Mm. I didn't want her. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he was yearning for her. He yeah. was so thankful when she came. He said, whoa, man. Yeah. Um, it's just there's suddenly relationship is broken. They hide from God. Their relationship with God is broken. Mm. Uh, suddenly their relationship to creation changes. There's this one animal in particular that God's going to say, your seed, the offspring from you, is going to crush his head. But then also... The earth is now going to uh, be under a curse because mm. of their sin. And they're going to struggle to bear fruit out of the ground of it. Um, so in every way, the relationships are now strained yeah. because of sin. And it's just one sin that ripples through everything, starts to tear things apart. Um, now, I want to ask, how much of that curse can be turned back when we're now in Christ Jesus? All of it. All of it. Yeah, because sorry, but I, I mean, I look at someone like David, and it says he fights the lion and the bear. Yeah, and it's almost like even in there, before Christ, he already knew that he had dominion over the yes. the, the earth. That's just one f facet of it. Yeah, but I do believe that's also part of it because a lot of people sometimes also, you know, were the lions kind of lying with Adam and Eve? You know, were they friendly v vegans? You yeah, know, not only eating veg. Herbivore, herbivores. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but 
but it seems like there was a just a, a, a common kind of uh, peace uh, among all, everything that was created this unity this order yeah um, which was disrupted as you said when sin came in yeah so in many ways i i do think that's that's what we are called to is to yeah. undo the work of the devil as jesus did yes yes De- in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, God actually lists these blessings when you walk in obedience yeah. to Him, when you walk in a relationship to Him. And so much of that sounds like a reversal of that curse of yeah. the ground. It's going to bear fruit to you. Um, your grain will be full. All of the things. I'll give the rain in season. In other words, you're going to live in the land of milk and honey. Mm. It's going to be Eden for you. All right. Um, it, there is a twist in it, though. Because what about women? Her curse. Yeah. You're gonna bearing suffer. Child. Yeah, you're gonna hurt. Yeah, have a lot of struggle mm. in bearing children. Can that be turned around? That's interesting because, I mean, I'm not gonna say yes, but I'm also not gonna say no because I've actually heard of testimonies of women yeah. who ha- who has given birth pain free. Yes. A bl- a it's l- called an epidural. No. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> God will give you the knowledge to fix this. No, it, it's a real challenge yeah. because there's actually there's books written about it and stuff. Yeah. And um, it, it really is something to think about. To what extent can all of this be turned around? Mm. Um, let's look at the relationship. A part of the curse for the woman is, um, and your desire will be for your husband. What do you make of that? Let's read it. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. That's not chapter 3, verse 16. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Hmm. What happens there? Is there a turnaround well, again, as a curse? Going to Ephesians, mm-hmm. that old passage, I think it's chapter 5. Yeah. It says, uh, um, sub- uh, wives, submit your husbands. Husband, yes. love your wives. Mm. And in that picture, I don't see it as a, a dominating, as it says here, for your husband, yet uh, you will desire, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will dominate you. Mm. I, th- I see it, there's a redeeming there where your husband Absolutely. doesn't dominate you, but he loves you. Yes. And he lifts you up yeah. because you are submitted to him. Yes. I don't know if that. Yeah. Ephesians 5 verse 22, before it comes into that marriage part, must say, submit to one another yeah. out of reverence for Christ. So part of being in Christ there is a willful submittance yeah. to one another in order to keep unity, even though we may disagree on things. Yeah. I serve you. I see your needs as greater as mine. Um, so draw that into marriage. There is no ruling no. Uh, as there is over there um, in the curse. Yeah. It, it seems like the relationships are going to be strained if you allow s- to yourself to walk in curse. Yes. In yes. Yeah, so may all of it be turned around yeah, to well, God's glory because yeah. through Christ, everything is redeemed. Amen. Uh, we're back in the relationship. If he can do one, he can do all of them. Yeah, yeah. Then um, there, there's a big thing to see about our natural response after sinning. Uh, we hide from God. Mm. We hide from God um, because there's a conviction in our hearts that says, hey, uh, I did something wrong. But then we see God right from the start being the seeker, the one that looks for the, the sheep that went astray, the prodigal son that walked away. He's the one that comes and looks for them in the garden while they're hiding from him. Yeah. And he calls, where are you? So we can still hear that refrain. Mm. Every time when we work in sin, um, through every person who's never known Jesus Christ, God is walking around saying, Adam, where are you? Mm. Eve, where are you? Um, and if they hide away, he calls them out 
Yeah, so it's still that passage in Isaiah that says, um, "Come, let us reason together. Yeah. Come, let's make right what's been what's been broken." God still wants to do that. Mm. Another natural response, unfortunately, is the blame thing. Uh, no, it wasn't me. Someone it was else Voldemort. caused me to do it. Yeah, he d- he made me do this. Yeah. All right. And with that, if we never overcome it, there's never restoration. Yeah. Because the first step, what what was that thing? The first step to recovery is admittance. Yeah. All right. I have to repent. Yeah. I say I am a sinner. I need grace. Um. So. Why do we always teach the kids the ABC of salvation is admit, believe, choose. Mm. If you don't admit, you you won't ever yeah. get right. If you don't have God. a problem, then you don't have a problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> then no one yeah. can help you. Yeah. Um, so maybe to finish off with is then God finds them. Um, he, the, he gives, he is the judge. He says, this is the consequences of your sin. Um, but then while he sends them out of Eden... Remember that he doesn't send them out of his presence. Because mm. later when Cain kills his brother, and it says, and Cain went out from the presence of God. Now, they weren't in Eden anymore, but God did not leave them. Mm. He's never f- left them, never forsake them. All yeah. right, He's a faithful father. It's not as if God is locked up in Eden and he chases yeah. them out of his presence. He says, no, the place, you can't be here anymore, but I'm still going with you. Mm. And he's also the one that while they try and cover them up <laughs> in a silly way with leaves, if you ever <laughs> touched those leaves, you know, um, what's it? What, what was fig, the le- fig, fig leaves. leaves? They're hairy. They make you itch, itch man. Um, he comes and he takes a skin from an animal and covers them. Mm. And we always see that as that first picture of the first lamb that was slain in order that they to may cover be covered up. Sin. Their shame may sure. be covered up. Um, so remember, God is not chasing them away. Mm. He actually covers them and says, all right, let me help you through this. I'm yeah. going to walk you all the way to salvation. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of that scripture. I don't know exactly what it is. It says you need to run to the throne of grace with boldness mm. that you don't um, have to hide away. It's it's going to God and letting him help you. Yeah, yeah. So that then for chapter 2 and 3, a lot to think about and ponder through. Please go read it again. The whole uh, idea with these discussions is to get us hungry for the word. Go dig in it and go and find the treasures again. Okay. And for next time, what do we we have on the menu next week? Chapter 4, Cain and Abel. And then we're actually going to go through a few over there because we're going to see how from the first sin, the first murder comes and sin just runs rampantly. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much, Garth. Until next time then.